Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Joined now here on the flagship podcast by the one and only tournament Tom Penders, um, who spent uh, some glorious years on the 40 acres, um, earning that nickname Tournament Tom for for taking the Longhorns to uh, an elite eight right off the right off the top coached players uh, like Travis Mays, Lance Blanks and Joey Wright, BMW. Lance Blanks, of course, went on to become a, a GM in the NBA, and he also brought on a student assistant, student manager named Chris Beard in the early 90s. Uh, Tom Penders joins us here on the flagship podcast. Tom, thanks so much. Glad to be with you, Chip. Well, I, uh, I wanted to get you on the podcast because I, it all started with you, and and Chris Beard said as much uh, when he accepted the Texas job at his press conference saying, um, I'm proud of, of my, uh, my path, my journey, and I hope to have as much swag uh, as the coach at Texas as Tom Penders did because um, you gave him that break, Tom. What, let's start at the beginning. I mean, Chris Beard, student assistant, what was he like? Industrious would be a good word. Uh, he he was always around the office, um, always interested in helping the staff, whether it was in our summer camp program where he would coach uh, different levels, the little kids at first, then the mid-range kids, 9 to 12, and then the 13 through 17 group. Wherever he coached during our camp, he was always voted uh, by the kids as the most popular coach in the, in the uh, camp. And he showed a real, uh, not just energy, but the energy he created with his teams during camp was, was amazing. You know, you just don't see that, you know, our, our staff was mainly high school and junior college coaches from around the state. And as the camp grew uh, and, Chris's freshman year, uh, that was, I think, our fourth year at Texas. It just kept growing, and, and Chris showed an unusual ability to, to coach his kids up, uh, to make them feel like this was the greatest camp in America. And he, he's just a guy, if you watch him, uh, one, he brings a smile to my face every time I think about the things he used to do, uh, and he was always around. I I had a door in my office that led to our tiny film room, and it seemed like Chris was always in there, either looking at film or eating lunch and planning the rest of his day. He's extremely organized, 
and that hasn't changed. Kids, kids don't change a lot, Chip. They, if if they're hardworking, if they're driven, uh, as an undergrad, usually those kids are successful no matter what they try to do with their life. You know, whatever avenue they take. And Chris never took an easy road. You know, he didn't. He wasn't anointed uh, king anywhere. He had to earn uh, his his uh, stripes wherever he went, whether it was Seminole Junior College, where I <laughs> I used to fly into to Oklahoma City when I was recruiting up that way, and I'd make the drive up to see him. <laughs> uh, he was always so positive. And that's a hell of a drive, by the way, Oklahoma City up to Seminole. <laughs> you drive forever, and when you get to Ever, you bang a left, <laughs> and you'll see a you'll see a facility there. But you know he he uh, he loves wherever he is, and he he brings pride, a smile. It, I don't want to sound too corny here, but he. I got a great deal of joy out of him being around when he was there. Uh, you know, I I never talk down to managers. I don't, you know, I'm not condescending in how I dealt with them. I kind of let them go and then see who rises to the top. And after his freshman year, it was clear to us and clear to me that we had a great manager who, you know, who wanted to be a coach, which is ideal. And, you know, he he can tell you what he learned. Um, you know, a lot of people think if he's with me, he didn't learn much, but <laughs> he he learned how to how to fill up an arena. He learned how to you know, get out in the public and and he'll go out, he'll go out, I'm sure. And if, if the students are lined up, what, whether they want pizzas or donuts, uh, Chris Beard is there. It's on him. And now that he's making all this money, uh, he can afford <laughs> to do that every game. <laughs> and hopefully it happens for him. Yeah. I mean, he talked about uh, jokingly that he was uh, a four year reserve point guard for Texas, but no one. Yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, so he was a decent player. Yeah. And uh, he was tough. You know, we used to, you know, if we were short a guy or whatever, we'd put him in uniform. He'd go out there and I'd always put him on, you know, a point guard or, you know, a guard. And if I told him to not let this guy get the ball, he made it awfully tough on that particular guy. Yeah, he was he was a good high school player. And like a lot of kids in Texas and around the country, uh, they they have dreams of playing at the big state school. Uh, he didn't have those dreams. He he said he'd like to walk on, but he he would uh, also love to be a manager. And then when we explained to him how we worked at a Texas and it was on the kind of the honor system and and whoever did the best job, we had about five managers every year. Whoever did the best job would move on and would travel with us to tournament games and and uh, have a chance for a full scholarship. And you know that that never was a topic of discussion with Chris. I mean, he he uh, he wasn't looking for money. He wasn't looking for anything. He wasn't even looking for a title. But 
you know, I basically felt he, he was a good film guy and he was ready to do our scouting force. You know, in basketball, you, you can't go out and, and scout. Um, a lot of sports now, you, you got to do it off the, off the videotapes. And you can learn an awful lot. As a matter of fact, I think if guys really want to coach, and I figured this out a long time ago because that's how I really learned, was by watching tape, by watching your own players, uh, filming practice. Um, so this, if a player is wondering why he isn't playing, we just go to the tape of the last three or four days of practice and we compare them. You know, this is why Travis is starting instead of Joey, et cetera, uh, because of statistics and because of, you know, the play during the, during those four or five days. I played the guys that practiced the hardest, and, and those are always, uh, Chip, the best players on the team, the guys who practice the hardest, the guys who – play at the same speed and practice as they do in the game. Uh, so it's not a big shock to them when they get out there. You, you can't, you can't goose your way through practice and then expect to be ready to play. Yeah. And, and Chris would go out there. I remember in the, uh, uh, charge drills, you know, he'd go out there with one of those big football blocking pads and the kids would try to knock them over. Well, it was rare when they, they, they got Chris to fall backward or fall over. Uh, that that was that was a great charge, uh, and you know we worked at how you do it. And he always he demonstrate. He understood, you know, how, how to set his feet, how to take the blow and be falling backwards just as you get hit, and then slide on your rear end after you got hit, and and maybe. Uh, yell out uh, Longhorn on your way down, uh, something to let the referees know. But he'd come out and demonstrate. Uh, he'd come out and and, uh, and try to guard some of our better players when we were doing offense versus defense. And, you know, he, he gave a good accounting of himself when he was out there. You know, nobody took him lightly because Chris, Chris, he liked the foul. He liked he liked to go after people, and he he'd get mad if somebody scored on him. <laughs> uh, that's you know, he was a he was a joy to be around. You know, he lightened things up in the office, and you know, he also was concerned about players in the program. And you know, he'd he'd say, "I'm worried about this guy." You know, he's not he's the last guy to practice, and seems like the first one to leave. The, just little things like that, you know. He wasn't, he wasn't trying to impress the coaching staff, and he, he was right. He was always right about his his uh, observations. You know, we we always encouraged a buddy type program within the program, but sometimes players they don't like to come into the head coach. They'd rather go to an assistant coach, or it would be a manager that would pick up on it. But uh, he's not the first guy that I've had who, who worked as a manager and a student assistant to become a head coach. I had a young man named Jack Armstrong at Fordham University 
And that was back in the day when we had 14 or 15 scholarships, and I never really wanted to use them all. I would, you know, I would award them to managers and, you know, support staff rather than just give it away to a fourth string manager who showed up two days a week. With Chris, I couldn't get rid of him. I was always bumping into him in the office. We didn't have a lot of space, but he wanted to soak everything up. Uh, he liked it, you know, when we would go in as a staff and and look at the film. And he, after a while, he understood what we were looking for and how to um, the things he thought would be necessary. He knew our players well enough. It's one thing to look at a film and break it down, but you have to know with the abilities of your players uh, whether they can defend this particular thing, uh, pick and roll or ball screen, whatever, backdoor cuts. Every team presents a different challenge. But he understood that it's not just about knowing what the other team wants to do, you know, what we can do to stop them or I always like to blow up the other team's offense. If they wanted to start on the right wing, I made them go to the left wing. And if we saw an area where we could trap on the floor, um, you know, we we, you know, pick out the film where a guy had trouble with a trap, and maybe he was left alone. His teammates didn't run to help him. But you know, he he learned all those things right away. Where some guys. You know, some assistants I had, you know, if you asked them to come up and draw a play, they'd be stumped. Uh, they they might have been great recruiters. Uh, they might have been um, um, good practice coaches or summer camp guys. But, you know, they didn't have the understanding or they didn't spend the time in the film room to really improve themselves. Because that's, that's where you learn. That's where I learned. And I encourage all young people that we had over the years and I had my program, you know, to get into the film room and, you know, figure things out that way. Figure why we're doing things, you know, how we're putting drills in and why we're putting drills in. Uh, It's not just knowing what we did, but, you know, to be able to put it in to understand why we're doing something is, is extremely important. Talking to Tom Penders, um, the head coach at Texas uh, from 1988 to 1998. Um, And Tom, we'll come back with Tom Penders, take a quick break. Um, And we're talking about Chris Beard, uh, the new head coach at Texas. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Tom, why is Beard, I mean, you've given me a lot of what, uh, you know, the seeds that were planted because obviously Chris Beard's first taste of coaching really came under you at Texas. Why are you not surprised uh, 
uh, that Beard is now the guy and why is he the right guy to be the head coach at Texas? Well, what he did at Texas Tech is, uh, you know, once in a lifetime stuff. Uh, in the last century, I don't think Texas Tech ever got to a Final Four. I don't count the 1940s because they only had eight teams in the tournament uh, back in the 1940s. And, and that, to me, doesn't count. Or consolation games. If you got chosen as one of the eight teams and you lost your first round, you got to play a consolation game. And maybe you won that, but it's a who cares game that nobody wants to play. Um, but, you know, it, the game keeps evolving and changing. And, and you know, Chris has stayed up with it. He, he kept up with everything. And most importantly, he stayed in touch with me. You know, whether we were having a great year or, or not, whatever, he would stay in touch, say he saw the game on TV the other day and, you know, tell this guy to hang in there. You know, he just had a rough night. You know, he, he, he stayed in touch. And that's why it was nothing for me to, to go out and see him at Seminole when he was a junior college coach. And then he let me know what his plans were. Uh, when things, you know, came up, uh, when, when he told me he was going to McMurray, I had no idea where in the world McMurray was, <laughs> but I said, well, Chris, you're taking a similar road or a similar path to me. A lot of people said, what in the world were you doing at Tufts university, which is an Ivy league type school and then Columbia. And I often ask myself that. It just happens. It's part of the business end of, of college sports, even more so today. But, you know, he stayed in touch. Uh, you know, when he wanted to be an assistant coach at Texas Tech for Bob Knight, you know, he really didn't know Bob Knight, but he knew Pat Knight. Uh, and And that certainly helped. But when asked if anybody else could recommend him, he said, yeah, you know, Coach Penders. And Chris would call me up and say, Pat's going to call me at, at 2.45, and he'd like you to talk to his dad about hiring me. And Bob Knight is a man of very few words, but we've always had a very good relationship. When I was a young coach, he invited me out to, uh, after he won the national championship and had that perfect season. And I used to go out and, you know, spend time at different, with different coaches during summer camps. And then again, in the fall, I might watch and go to practices at the pro level. Well, anyway, it, uh, Chris stayed in touch with every move he made. He asked me to talk to his dad. And the one thing that Bob Knight asked about, he said, Tom, is he loyal? And I told him that, you know, a lot of players that graduate and finish up, you have no idea where in the hell they went. And I always tell him, you have my phone number. It's not going to change. Or I'll let you know if I have to change it. Um, I can't chase you around the world or wherever you're headed. But you can let me know when you land somewhere. 
well, Chris always stayed in touch. And, you know, when Knight asked me that question about loyalty, I just said, you know, I, I've never had a player or a manager or student assistant uh, who was as loyal as Chris. He stayed in touch all the way through every move he's made. And then he, you know, he stayed with Bob Knight uh, for Bob's term at Texas Tech. It was when he first went out there that Chris was hired. And uh, he learned so much from Bob Knight. Uh, you can't work for a better guy for learning, particularly the defensive end. With Chris, he, he learned how to teach a motion offense as well. Um, you know, he's evolving and using some offenses of the day. And when you watch his teams play now, it's more like what's being run at the professional level on offense. You know, he has guys that, break down the defense and hit the open man, extra passes to get those threes in the corner. Whatever it is, offensively or defensively, Chris wants to stay. He wants to stay on the cutting edge. And, you know, if I can help him in any way, he knows I'm always there as a resource. Once in a while, he'll ask me, you remember that play? You used to call it two down. Could you go over that again for me? Uh, and I would go over it, you know, and text it to him, which, you know, you couldn't do back when I was coaching. You, you, you know, you had no idea, no clue. I think texting came in in like uh, 2000. It wasn't around when I was at Texas. But anyway, he, you know, he, he'd call back and question me on about the timing of the play. When does the ball screen come, uh, et cetera and why you're running that particular play. And this year we have uh, a kid named Mac McClung, who, uh, you know, is a great medium-range jump shooter and trying to stretch him out for more threes. And uh, I just said, you know, I always felt that three-point shooters learn how to shoot at the foul line. And then they use the almost the entire technique the further out they go. Uh, you can't shoot jump shots all night from the three-point line if you're working hard on defense. Your legs go. Yeah. And late in the game, uh, you know, you need every bit of energy from your feet to your ankles to your legs all the way up. And before you get to the top uh, of, of the small jump you're making toward the hoop, you release the ball before a defender can get there. And, you know, he wanted to know uh, how they could speed that up because everybody was closing out on, on McClung. And I gave him a few drills, things like that. Um, I never told him what I thought he should run unless he asked me something. And uh, I saw him work. Um, Chris had a... Uh, he called me one day and he said, can you come out here? It was about three years ago is when, uh, when they went to the final game and, and I said, sure. And it was in, uh, early November when I went out there, they had an exhibition game with, with UTEP. And I went out and spent like six days. I, I was there all the way through the game their exhibition game and stayed a couple more days. And I learned an awful lot 
by being around because Chris, nobody prepares a team like Chris. He's so thorough uh, and he knows how to get his message across. He's unbelievable in the film room. You know, <laughs> he, he just has a knack for it. And he usually he comes up with something that, you know, a lot of coaches stay with the same thing, same thing all the time. Well, with Chris, you never could predict what he's going to do. And that was something he might have gotten from me because when you play teams twice and sometimes three times, you have to change things or they're going to be totally prepared for you, like you're out of bounds plays, um, you know, maybe an offensive set, a new one late in the year that they can't practice all week for. And he understands those things and he does those things. I watch I watch basically all of his games that are on TV. If I can't see them live, I tape them. And while I'm riding my stationary bike, I watch it and rewatch it. And um, but I love doing that. Uh, it kind of keeps me in touch with the game. But I was amazed at how thorough he was and how organized he was uh, with his staff and with his players. You and he, he let me know. He let me know before practice. He said, "You know, I'm having trouble with this guy. You know, he just, he, you know, he can't pick his head up. He's really down. Uh, maybe, maybe you could talk to him." So I'd watch the kid, and he was he was always accurate with his descriptions. I'd watch him, and I'd say, "Do you want me to talk to him?" And he said, "Yeah." He said, "That'd be great." So I'd talk to the kid, and and tell him that why he has to learn this. And this is about improving yourself, your skill set. A lot of coaches just game plan. They recruit and they game plan. They don't know how to teach a jump stop. They don't know how to teach fundamentals. Uh, Chris's team's jump stop. Uh, they don't charge. They really get, rarely get a charge call against them. Uh, and after they get rolling a little bit, a month into their season, it's hard to get them into a 10 turnover game. Uh, they do a great job of taking care of the basketball. Their footwork is excellent. And their their players get better every year. And I mean, just about every single one of them. You'd see a noticeable improvement uh, with Chris's players because they work so hard at development. And if I was a Texas player, either coming back or coming in, that's one thing you know he's going to improve your skill set. He knows how to teach that stuff. You know, he's put guys in the NBA who weren't even on the draft list before their sophomore year. At the end of their sophomore year, they're lottery picks. Um, and not too many coaches do that today. But Chris believes in the whole package. So... You're getting a guy who knows what he's doing. Um, sometimes a guy is ready after four or five years to coach. Um, others aren't. Chris knows what's in front of him in Texas. He knows it's a hard job, and he knows why it's a hard job, and he knows they're going to have the facilities that are needed. You know, when they move into Moody, they're going to have a nice practice gym. Uh, but in the meantime, you know, I've said, you know, when they talked about building a new gym, I said, wow. I said, I know 16,000 is a tough crowd to get today, uh, but 
you know, the, there's no better home court in America than the Irwin Center when it's packed. It's intimidating. Yeah. I remember the first time I saw it, I, wow, my jaw dropped. And it was before I really signed the contract and said I was definitely coming. But, uh, you know, I'm sure that the people that showed me the facility, uh, they drove me down to ramp and right out on what would be the court. The court wasn't down at that time. And I looked up and I looked around and I said, oh, my God, this might be the most intimidating arena with all that orange staring down on you. And so in the meantime, he has that and he's got nice practice facilities. Um, the, the Cooley Center is a beautiful practice facility. Their locker room and film setup is excellent. Uh, and he knows that Texas does everything first class. I told him they've come a long time since my years at Texas. We didn't even have our own film room. Um, we didn't have a, always have a place to show the kids film because our locker room would often uh, be not rented, but let's say we had a game on, on Sunday afternoon. Well, they may have a concert in there Friday night and, you know, you had to get everything out of your locker so you'd have it when you came back and the kids would throw everything in a gym bag and we'd go off somewhere uh, to, to East Austin or West Austin to practice. So, you know, he knows that Texas has made the strongest commitment and they're going to continue to make it. It wasn't always that way, but it is now. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a world-class uh, school and it's, it's also a world-class athletic program. And he has a chance to work with one of the very best ADs in the country. And I, I think that has a lot to do with his move because, you know, you have coaches meetings and athletic directors and coaches together uh, every spring. And you, that's how I got to know Crystal Conte. He was the AD at Rice and I was at the university of Houston. And that's how I got to know Crystal Conte was our spring uh, meetings in Destin, Florida. And he, he liked to do some of the things I like to do. And, uh, you know, you, if you've been around Cristo Conte, you know, he's a real trip. He's, he's, he's unique. Yeah. And I knew that he and Chris would hit it off if they met. So I, I'm thrilled this whole thing has happened. Believe me, I, I'm thrilled. I, I know that I'm not going to walk away from too many games or whether I'm there or watching on TV where I'm like angry because the kids didn't play hard or they didn't they do, didn't do some things I thought they'd do. And, you know, when I'm around, I know I can go in and walk into practice and, and be at home because I know Chris. And it was the same way with me with Shaka. He, anytime I wanted to go to practice, Shaka Smart made sure I could get in the back way and, and uh, not be hassled by anybody and watch practice. And then, you know, go home after practice. I really love doing that. And I know I can continue doing that, uh, certainly with Chris Beard there. 
Tom, talking to Tom Penders, great stuff with Tom Penders, who gave uh, Chris Beard his first taste of coaching as a student assistant at Texas in the early 90s. Um, people look at what Chris Beard did at Texas Tech, uh, turning Tech into a basketball school where the students you know, waited in line to get into the games. And, and is there any reason to believe that Chris Beard – uh, won't do that at Texas? No, it may not happen in the first couple of weeks of the season, but I think Texas fans are curious. Um, you know, when I went there, all I heard about was, oh, nobody comes to the games. You know, it was it was depressing speaking to people in the athletic department about, you know, the crowds. And, you know, I was told it would probably take three years to build the fan base. Um, you know, I watched films, tapes of games. I thought they were scrimmages because nobody was in the stands. And I mean, nobody, you know, when you have two or 3000 people in that arena, it's, it seems totally empty. So, you know, it took about three games before we were up in the 14,000s. And, you know, I put a lot of effort into going around and speaking everywhere in Austin, you know, to build the fan base. I went down as far as San Antonio and spoke at some events down there with Red McCombs and I uh, went all the way up to Dallas even, you know, for weekend games. If, when you build a good program, your fans, Texas fans will drive down from Dallas. Uh, not all of them, but most of them, you know, they want to see their Longhorns play. And, you know, when we played at Houston, we drew the biggest crowd in, in the University of Houston's history. You know, it was a regular season game. And I said, oh, my God. You know, I walked out. And in those days, I, you could scout. I had scouted Houston against Rhode Island, my old team. And there was hardly anybody there. And we played them the first conference game of the season. It was on ESPN, and the place was oversold out. People standing everywhere. But we had more than half of the fans. You know, the fans that come out to see Texas on the road are fans that hate Texas, that want to beat Texas. And those Texas fans that can make it to the game and, you know, we always had the biggest crowds at every arena we played in because we had Texas fans everywhere except at Arkansas when we played up there against Nolan Richardson's great teams. But, uh, you know, Daryl Royal was on the selection committee when I was chosen to be the head coach, and he was, he was my godfather. He, he taught me everything about Texas, and he said, you know, uh, every referee that you're going to face in the Southwest Conference hates Texas. And I looked at him. I said, are you serious? And he said, yeah, I'm telling you, because Texas graduates cannot, cannot work your games. If an official went to the University of Texas, he'll be on some other game. And every ref that you're going to see probably got rejected academically. <laughs> so, so get ready for it. <laughs> I love so it. So he did, he did tell me that, but I didn't believe how bad it could be. 
But we won in spite of it, and we were always ready for the tournament because of the way I presented the opportunity to them. And Chris is absolutely great at that. Uh, he invited me out to Anaheim when they were in their sweet 16 round and elite eight round. And, you know, he, he beat some great coaches out there, out coached the world out of them, uh, whether it was uh, John Beeline or, or um, Tom Izzo, whoever it was, Chris just had a fabulous game plan and his kids understood they knew what they were supposed to do when they played defense, how they were supposed to play guys. Uh, his preparation is peerless. You won't find anybody in the country who prepares a team better. And I'm talking Mike Krzyzewski, um, uh, Bob Huggins, anybody in the country. You're not going to find anybody that can prepare a team better than Chris. I love it. I love it. Tom, um, Tom Penders, really appreciate the time. Is there anything else you think is important for Texas fans uh, to know about Chris Beard now that he's the, the Longhorns head coach? Well, he's going to get involved uh, with the fans. Uh, he's going to be out on campus, you know, getting the students, the fraternities, whatever, the different student groups out there. You know, you're not going to have to worry about attendance after a few games. Uh, the fans are going to love the way they play. Chris isn't married to a half-court style. If you look at his scores the last couple of years, you know, they got up into the 80s and 90s and some of their wins. Uh, and he likes to play a little faster than he did when he started at Tech. And the better athlete he gets or has at Texas – you know, he'll play faster. Uh, he, he knows how to play that way. He loves to play that way, uh, as did Bob Knight. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I think you're going to see an exciting style. And you, the kids are going to identify with the players. The players are going to be out there. They're, they're going to be known on campus. And Chris will have special events to, to make that happen so the students get to know the players not just watch them play. Uh, he, he's very much involved with the community, and I can't wait to see what he does uh, because nobody, everybody said it couldn't be done in terms of fans, but over my 10 years, we averaged over 13,000 fans per game. Uh, it can be done, uh, and it's hard to fill the Irwin Center, but he'll fill it up. Uh, I don't know who's going to be back or who he's bringing in, but he's ready for any situation. I'll guarantee you that there'll be no panic. He's got a list of players in his pocket. Uh, if one decides to go somewhere else, well, that door will be closed and he'll open another one. He's got players all over the country and even all over uh, different parts of the world. He knows how to recruit and he knows how to coach. So Texas has a great coach and I hope he's there for the rest of my life so I can really enjoy Texas basketball and see some, see a couple of banners hung for the big title. Um, you know, I, it's, 
it's been too long in coming and the efforts of Chris Del Conte and Chris Beard together, I think it can be done. It's almost impossible to have that done if, if the coach and the AD don't get along. And those two, those two are two of a kind. And, you know, I'm so happy for both Chris's. Well, I, uh, I cannot thank you enough, Tom. It's, I love the conversation. I'm sure all of the, the Texas fans and college basketball fans listening to this are um, just enlightened um, by uh, your stories and, and uh, recounting of Chris Beard's uh, progress from student assistant to head coach at the University of Texas. No one knows it better than Tom Penders. Um, Tom, thanks so much uh, for the time today. And, um, and let's, uh, let's do this again as uh, basketball season gets underway. Anytime, Chip. Anytime. I appreciate it so much. For Tom Penders, I am Chip Brown. Thanks so much for listening to the flagship podcast interview. Uh, until next time, stay safe and keep the faith. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.